Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by psychotherapist, attorney, and author Jane Wessler. Jane has written eight books, including two novels, and her focus is to encourage people to reframe their lives to have a better outcome. She has spent decades as a psychotherapist and an attorney. So, you know, it's definitely going to be an interesting story. So stay tuned, Jane. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having this wonderful show to inspire all of us, Curtis. We really need it. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? I am, as you said, an attorney, a psychotherapist, and an author. And I was inspired to become a psychotherapist when I went back to school after my children entered school, after the youngest went to preschool. And I was fortunate, blessed to meet some of the staff at the college that I went to on scholarship as a a young single mom at that time. And they were inspiring to me. They were role models to me. One woman had taken it upon herself to uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I'm your counselor. Would you like to come and, and have a session with me? And I thought, wow, that sounds cool. And I did. And I was caught up in, in, in something completely new. It's called psychotherapy. And I didn't really know anything about it. But sitting with this woman who was my counselor helped me to clarify my life, helped me to heal from things that had happened to me as a child. And it inspired me to go in that direction myself. And I have been a psychotherapist for decades, and I'm constantly learning about the human condition and about what happens to each of us. You know, there's something called ACE, adverse circumstances uh, for children. ACE, I think I'm messing that up. I'll get I'll get back to what the acronym means, but it's it's an adverse circumstance that has happened to you in your life, adverse life experience. And uh, there's an estimate that 60% of people have these adverse events as children. And not only do we have them, but they continue to impact us all of our lives. And so one thing that I like to do is to help people reframe their life circumstances and to try to heal. And we can heal ourselves. The human body, the human mind can heal if we treat it well. And so I like to help people to advocate for themselves, to learn how to be healthy without taking medication. I personally think medication is way overprescribed. But if you just take care to well and get enough rest and do all the things that mom said to do, right? Mom or dad or whoever raised you, grandparents, uh, that can help us heal. And, And so I like to help people reframe their lives and that is why I became a psychotherapist. And I got into that career. I spent 
time in the most amazing places. I worked on a locked psychiatric unit with children ages five to their 18th birthday who had attempted suicide or homicide or both. And I saw there young people who were very unhappy, but had no tools to tell anybody or show anybody that they needed help or to ask for help. The only way that they could do it, Curtis, was to try to kill themselves. Pretty drastic, right? So I spent time working on that unit and have worked on a child's, several actually, eight or nine child study teams um, throughout the state of New Jersey, where I evaluated students who were suspected of having a disability or who had a disability that adversely affected their educational performance and who needed special education and related services. And that was a very interesting, and I learned a lot there, so much there. And there was a point where there was a legal case going on in the school, and I had to speak to the school's attorney to prepare for it. And I came away with uh, a seed planted, I guess. And I, and I also saw some things going on behind the doors of the child study team that were not exactly proper. And I decided to go back to school um, to get my doctoral degree. And I decided, you know, am I going to go back and get a, a degree in psychology or am I going to go to law school? And that's what I ended up doing. I felt that I've always had a strong feeling of justice and injustice. And, you know, I use the word hate sparingly, but I hate to see injustice. It really bothers me. And so I, I ended up going to law school and when I was in law school, I had the opportunity to work in a legal clinic. And I, as a third year law student, you can do that. You can actually go to court under the supervision of a real attorney. And I had the opportunity to do that. I represented a little boy whose father was in jail and had had nothing to do with him. But then once he was in jail, he was kind of jerking the mother and the little boy around. And I went and represented that little boy in court. And they say you become a lawyer when you're in court and you've got your notes, but suddenly the passion takes over you and you throw down your notes and you argue from your heart. And that actually happened to me in that case, because I saw this little child being manipulated as a pawn. And that made me really angry. And so after I left law school, I decided that I would represent children with disabilities. And uh, that's what I've done for decades. And as an attorney in that field, I have taught a lot. I've done a lot of public speaking for parents and, and schools about what what the law gives to children and to their parents. What rights do children have? And in the United States, we're fortunate to have these kinds of laws that protect children. And yet we still have to fight for our rights, don't we? Even though the law says we get them, it doesn't always happen. So I was able to spend a lot of years helping the parents. And these parents, you know, we're talking about who inspires whom. The parents so often inspired me, the children so often inspired me. We often, all of us have prejudice. It's a prejudgment. And we live that way. We we wouldn't be able to organize ourselves or our lives unless we 
could categorize some things. It helps us to to live and but unfortunately, the prejudices can work against other people. And I saw a lot of that with children who had a disability. Disability is just a weakness, which everyone has, right? We all have strengths and weaknesses. But um, oftentimes, you wouldn't know someone had a disability just by looking at them. Yes, there are visible physical disabilities. If someone is in a wheelchair, we say they're a person with a disability. If you see a person who's walking down the street with a seeing eye dog or a white cane, you believe that they have some kind of visual impairment. That's a disability, but you wouldn't necessarily know that someone has autism or or Asperger's disorder or that they have a specific learning disability or that they have ADHD. There are lots of disabilities that are invisible. And I saw lots of kids who leapfrogged over where their school district thought they should end up. And once they got what's called a FAPE, a free appropriate public education, they were able to move forward and learn and become as independent as possible to have opportunities for post-secondary education, which are things the law grants them. Um, The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act is a federal law that has to be used in every single state in the United States. And it gives children the right to, children with disabilities, the right to have that FAPE and, and to learn and, and do all those things. So it was really great to see kids doing well and succeeding. And oftentimes the parents faced such hardships and yet they were so strong. They dug in their heels and they fought for their kids. And I was just so humbled and inspired by those folks. And so I did that for many years. And there's always something inside of me. I think I'm a born writer. I know I'm a born writer. It's just, you know, we all have gifts. We all have talents. Um, It's something that we're given and we can use those things to better our own lives and better the lives of others. And when we do that, I think we really find our purpose in life. And that's how we become fulfilled. And I had been wanting to write books. And actually, during the later years, as I was practicing law full-time, I wrote a novel. And I put it aside. And I started the second one. And I got to page 300. And I was just overwhelmed with life, <laughs> as we often get when we're trying to do so many things. And, you know, in this country, we have a national sleep deprivation. Many of us are sleep deprived because we're trying to do so much and we're on our electronics all the time and we're stressed and we, and we don't get enough rest and trying to do a lot of things and was in that boat along with the rest of America. So I wasn't able to get my books published, but after some circumstances occurred in my own life and my family's life. I really took stock of how much I was working, how out of balance my life was, and really understood that we don't, our tomorrow isn't guaranteed to us. And after discussion with my husband, we had been working toward some kind of retirement, some kind of staggered retirement at some point. And we decided to to take that step to a staggered retirement. My husband had retired from his job he'd worked at for 44 years and 
So I uh, made an arrangement with my law firm to work part-time and remotely, and it was time for me to write books. And so that's one way that I, I teach and help, and I hope, as people have told me, inspire others to do the things that they want to do, to take care of themselves, to have the courage to, and the, and the self-confidence to do whatever it is that they need to do. For instance, the first book I wrote and published was a book for parents of children with special needs because not well, everybody- Before we talk about your books. Oh, okay, uh, sorry. And No, nah, no problem. I just want to ask you, how did you manage, did you work as a psychotherapist and, and an attorney at the same time or did you do one and then do the other? I guess technically I'd have to say I did one and then I did the other. And, and it was after that point of uh, having met with the attorney for the school district that I decided to go back to school and become an attorney. And so I, I basically changed careers. But on the other hand, I used all of the tools that I had as a psychotherapist when I was working as an attorney because we worked with children with disabilities. And I always met with those children unless they were in some kind of circumstance where it was impossible if they were hospitalized or something and, and I was not able to meet with them. But so I would meet with the children and, and do an assessment. Uh, so I was using those tools and skills, but my main work was as an attorney. So uh, before you start talking about your books, tell us how did, how do you choose the topics that you choose to write about? That's a great question. They seem to choose me for the most part. The first book that I wrote, which is actually the fifth book that I published, incorporated the themes of students with disabilities and how they can be successful and overcome. And also, I incorporated the idea of suicide because we have a suicide epidemic in our country. And there are a lot of young people who unfortunately take that option and they take it because they see, they get to a point where they don't have the tools to cry for help. And sometimes they do it because they make a pact with someone else or, or they see someone in the community who has done it. And that happened to me in the town where I was living and, and also nearby. There were a number of students who had killed themselves and it's such a tragic thing and young people don't necessarily understand that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I, I wanted to highlight that in the book and yet show that this is not the choice you want to make. We understand life is harsh and scary and you feel hopeless, but the people around you love you. They want to help you. They will be there for you, but just reach out, reach out and ask for help. And we need to learn to ask for help, which is one of the hardest things to do. So that's why I chose that topic. And then the, the first book I actually published was a book for parents of children with special needs. And because I came at it from the legal approach and the therapeutic approach I wanted to write a unique book for parents who were struggling to help their students get an appropriate education 
so that they could become as independent as possible and have those opportunities for post-secondary education, whatever that might be, uh, college, uh, a vocational school, a trade school, whatever, wherever the, that student's talents lay. And I wanted them to have the confidence and the understanding of all the basic building blocks that go into getting that education for their student. And so instead of hiring an attorney, they had a lot of the tools and strategies in that book to help them. So that was why I chose that book. I I really felt compelled to write that one. There's another book I wrote really from the perspective of a psychotherapist. It's a, it's a book about emotional tears. It's actually called hurt. So good an orgasm of tears and begging your pardon for the title, but uh, there are a lot of sensitive people in the world. There's actually a 25% of the population are called HSPs, highly sensitive people. And they probably don't know that, but they're people who are sensitive, who feel things deeply more strongly than uh, the majority of others. Uh, They might cry easily if they're female Maybe even if they're male, but in our society, men are given a very strong uh, uh, idea that men are not allowed to cry. Men don't cry, which is nonsense. And it's one of the reasons why men have probably have more heart disease than women. And that's kind of a strong statement, but I do believe it's true. And so I wrote this book about emotional tears, and it was actually a fascinating subject when I delved into it. And learned about the three kinds of tears and how tears help to heal our bodies. And I I remember unearthing a quote from a physician in the 1800s, Sir Henry Maudsley, who said something like, unless grief is given vent in tears, it will make your organs weep. Um, So that's why I wrote that particular book. And I can talk about Bones books too. That was really important thing to me, but I don't want yeah, to. Let's do it. Go ahead and do it. All right. So I got diagnosed with something called osteoporosis and not everybody knows what that is. When particularly women get older, their bones thin and, and men's do too, but men's typically thin later on in life. So women will often develop osteopenia and then osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is the more serious stage of that, what they call a disease. And it can be very serious because women will often fall and break a hip, then they end up in bed with pneumonia, and that can kill them when they're older. So I get diagnosed with it when I was quite young. But the doctor said to me, oh, just take calcium and vitamin D and you're going to be fine. And I had known from the time I was a young woman that I had a lot of the risk factors for it. And so I was quite careful over the years to eat really well, to do a lot of weight-bearing exercise. I ran, I lifted weights, I did yoga, I did Pilates. So I thought I was going to be fine. And lo and behold, I wasn't fine. And so a lot of your listeners may know that once you start getting a DEXA scan, that's a dual X-ray machine that reads your bone density, uh, they start watching you. And a lot of times the physician will try to put you on medication. But my doctor said to me, uh, after my third DEXA scan, your bones are thinning at an alarming rate. Only 
he was not proposing to do anything else for another 18 months. And to me, that was, that was crazy. And so I kind of went into cross-examination mode with him, asking him all about it. And I think he got exasperated and, and said to me, well, eat more ice cream. And he laughed. And obviously that's not an answer. Ice cream is not going to cure this calcium deficiency in your bones. And I left there feeling frightened and confused and wondering who was going to give me the answers I needed. And that started off a year of research and investigation and trialing a variety of interventions. And after, and I'm making a a long story very short, uh, I had gone to see a number of specialists looking for someone who knew what they were talking about. Everybody wanted to put me on medication, but everything I read suggested that could be more dangerous than having sending bones. After a year, someone someone called me up, a, a, a colleague of mine, and said, you have to go see this doctor. This doctor is amazing. And so I, I, it seemed almost miraculous that this person had an opening on the very day that I had taken off, starting to try to write my books. And so I was taking off Tuesdays, not taking off, but not commuting into the office, which gave me two free hours. And so I would take those hours, which normally were spent commuting, and write, I would write during those hours. And the doctor had an opening on that Tuesday. I went to see her and I told her, you know, before I try anything new, I want to get another DEXA scan because it had been a year uh, since I'd been doing all these different things. She ordered me a DEXA scan. And when I got the results, I was terrified to open them. And I did open them and I had done something amazing without any medication, I had increased my bone density by 11.3%. That is a lot of increase. And I did it without medication. And during this, these months, I was plagued with knowing that there are a lot of people, mostly women, but men too, who were struggling with the same thing and being put on medication. And some of the medication was, could give you other diseases cancer of the bones or cancer of your esophagus. Uh, you might lose your teeth. Your, your, your thigh bone could snap. There are a lot of things that people struggled with and that happened to people who took medication. And once you couldn't take the medication anymore, some of those medications are only permitted to be given to a patient for two years. Those people lost all of the bone growth that they had seen. So I was just beside myself thinking about all the people out there who were struggling with this issue. And when I started, when I went part-time with my law firm and I began writing, I wrote my story of what happened to me in that year and how I'd increased my bone density without medication. And then I decided to start a Facebook group. I had not been a, a social media person up until that time. But I thought this is a way that I can reach people. This is basically your modern day conference room. So I started a Facebook group and it just, it's just been growing like wildfire. I have many people asking to join every day. I have thousands of people in it and uh, I've done free webinars for people. I've done classes and it's an inordinate amount of research that I have done and still do to provide people with answers about 
why their bones are uh, thinning, why they've developed osteopenia or osteoporosis despite a healthy lifestyle, or they've been taking their calcium. And why is this happening to me? And I understand because I had this same thing happen to me. And so that's been very fulfilling, helping to teach people what really goes into keeping your bones healthy, making your bones healthy. And I ended up writing three books, actually. I wrote the second one was, was called Reverse, Reversing Osteoporosis and Osteopenia Without Medication, Evidence-Based Interventions, because as an attorney, I want to know what works. I want to see what, what interventions have been proven to work, what evidence is there, what data is out there to show people what they should be doing. Because the thing is, Curtis, the, it takes two years to really make changes in your bones, or it takes, I should say, they remodel and resorb over, over time. So you really need to know what you're doing works and you have to keep doing it to make any changes in your bones. So that's a big part of what I do every day is to help people with that problem and help them to learn how to live in a healthy way and grow their bones and, uh, and stay healthy. So that's been really fun. And uh, now I'm turning my attention to fiction, which is where I was going the whole time, but I really needed to to write those books. And my mom is the person who gave me the inspiration to live a good life. And I think we all have someone, I hope we do, in our lives, aunt and uncle, a grandparent, a parent, a school teacher, a community leader, a coach, someone who we encounter in our lives, who lives a life that's morally upright, that's ethically good, not because they're getting anything out of it, because it's the right thing to do. And my mom was that person for me. My mom had a hard life and she struggled a lot, but she she kept her faith and she um, she just worked through the tragedies and the challenges that uh, confronted her. And I saw her be good to everyone. And I kid you not, everyone. And everyone I've ever met who finds out I'm her daughter always says to me, oh, I love your mother. She is wonderful. And so she's really inspired me to to live a life following that kind of legacy. And the book that I recent, recently wrote and published uh, is based on her life. And I, I know that not everybody has a mom like that. And I wanted to honor her by writing the book. And I wanted to distill her essence into a, some something almost like a beautiful perfume that I could share, like even like a, an elixir or something healing that I could share with people so that they would be inspired uh, by her life to live a good life. And part of that is just having faith and going forward, knowing your purpose in life. So that's, that's where it's at so far. I have another book that's coming out in a couple of months, but. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What are you working on uh, <laughs> that people need to know about? Thank you. I have a book entitled Ride the Storm. In 2012, I lived through Hurricane Sandy when I lived near the coast, not even that close, but uh, inland of the Jersey Shore. And I know a lot of other people lived through that or have lived through other 
wicked storms like this more and more all the time these days, right? And I always wanted to write a book where people were inspired to become their best selves. People could be redeemed uh, in their own lives by acts of bravery and courage. They could almost be like, like some hate to compare it to a snake, but you know, snakes grow and they leave their old skin behind or some creatures who live in shells outgrow their shells. And so they, they go find a new or bigger shell. Uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas, his heart grew how many sizes that day where he, he did the right thing. And so I wrote a book with a cast of characters who faced this challenge of Hurricane Sandy when this, and it, I called it Hurricane Ursa, because Ursa is a bear, and I wanted it to be this giant bear of a storm bearing down on this community. And uh, people were called to action, called to help, and it helped them to step into a better life, a, a way to put aside their own maybe selfishness and thoughts of themselves to help other people survive and do well in the storm. And uh, that's the gist of that book. I wanted a story of, of redemption and something that was inspiring to people. So it's written, it needs a little bit more polishing, and then that one will come out. Well, so we can keep up with everything that you're up to. Throw out your website and your contact information, your Facebook group. I would love that. Yes. So my website is janewessler.com and my first name is J-A-Y-N-E, last name W-E-S-L-E-R. So it's janewessler.com. And I have a number of Facebook groups. The the one that I, the bigger one that I talked about is osteopenia or osteoporosis question mark, increase your bone density without medication. And you can always just look me up on Facebook and I can direct you where to go. I have also a group for parents of children with special needs and a group for people who struggle with anxiety or strong emotion. And, and that that's named after my book, Hurts So Good, An Orgasm of Tears. Okay. We'll close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something that I forgot to touch on that you would like to touch on or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners? I do want people to remember that their lives count. And I had a lady say to me earlier today with whom I was working, wow, you've done so much. How did you do it? And I said, it's just because you're on the outside looking in. If you look back, if your audience, everyone who's listening, you look at your life, you have done a lot. And you have special talents. And so ask yourself what you, you're good at. Those are your talents. Those could be your purpose in life. And, and we all have probably more than one purpose, right? I'm a daughter. I'm a mother. I am a lawyer. I'm a writer. I'm a helper. I mean, there's a lot of things I consider to be my purpose. And you too, listener, have at least one purpose. So what is that purpose and how can you use that to to make a difference in your own life, in your family's life, in the life of your community. And guess what? If you know your purpose and you utilize, you you live toward that purpose, 
you will actually add seven years to your life. And I think that is really where we all find fulfillment. So that's what I would uh, encourage your listeners to do, Curtis. Ladies and gentlemen, janewessler.com. Be sure to check out everything she's up to. Check out those Facebook groups. And if you know of anybody suffering from osteoporosis, check out Jane's books. And please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. If you have any guest suggestions or topic suggestions, see Jackson102 at cox.net. Please be sure to tell a friend about the show. Jane, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.